I'm Frank Andorka, Editorial Director of Solar Power World Magazine. Welcome to another edition of Solar Speaks, Solar Power World's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. Today we are talking to Christopher Beitel, Vice President of Business Development and Marketing for Salivo Solar. Salivo uses its Triax technology to increase the potential efficiency of its solar cells to upwards of 24%. The company, which has been flying under the radar since it was founded in 2007, expects to start production at a 30-megawatt factory in China later this year. Chris, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, Frank. Thank you. Can you give us some background on Salivo Solar and how it came to be in the market? Salivo has been uh, in existence, as you mentioned in the intro, for about uh, five years. The company was founded by two former executives from Applied Materials, which is a large capital equipment manufacturing uh, provider for both the semiconductor LCD industries as well as the solar industries. And basically the founders had a concept for a new hybrid cell technology device. Basically it's called a tunneling junction cell and it couples basically kind of the best attributes of several different materials that have been used both in the semiconductor world as well as solar. So the first big piece about the technology is a crystal and silicon wafer. Uh, we use N-type monosilicon wafers, and then on top of that, we deposit a proprietary oxide layer that we port over from the CMOS gate oxide area of semiconductor manufacturing. And then the next step is we use a thin film material called amorphous silicon. It's actually a doped amorphous silicon layer that has been used in thin film PV industry for many years. And that the silicon layer allows us to get to very high voltage, uh, which really helps us drive excellent efficiency. And then we cap all of this off with a change in material set for the metal electrodes, and we move from traditional silver uh, nanopates that are used in 90% of the product today to a copper-based metallization scheme. And that um, copper-based know-how we also poured over from the semiconductor industry uh, where the two founders, as well as myself, helped several of the leading players in the integrated circuit realm transition from aluminum or tungsten-based uh, interconnects to the copper-based ones. So we basically have a new innovative type cell concept that we're porting over into a module package that's branded with the Salevo name. Uh, we are successfully transferred from the R&D scale now into production, so the production facility is ramping now. Uh, we've actually achieved performance in high-volume manufacturing above 21% conversion efficiency, which is extremely uh, positive result in terms of the ability to really show that this is real technology. Uh, and we'll be uh, shipping product to our first customers uh, here in the coming months. So exciting time for us and uh, a real good opportunity for us to bring a next generation technology that will significantly reduce uh, levelized cost of electricity and uh, help our customers continue to uh, grow and prosper. How many people does Solevo employ in the United States and, and where is your North American headquarters? Our North American headquarters are in Fremont, California, which is basically the heart of the Silicon Valley. We have about 35 employees here. Uh, this is our corporate headquarters as well as our center for all of our research and development. And then our production facility is in Hangzhou. Uh, Hangzhou is about an hour and a half southwest of Shanghai in China. 
and we have approximately 160 employees that are operating the factory there as well as working on our supply chain and all of our quality and reliability. How many researchers are there in the Fremont facility? You were talking about how you're continuing the research even though you've got this exciting new technology. How many researchers are actually working on that as we speak? Besides the executive management team, we have about 25, I will say, hardcore engineers and technologists, um, many of them having Ph.D. degrees. And really our strategy is, is very similar to what you see many have done in the microelectronics industry. We really want to do the innovation and development here in the U.S. This is obviously what the U.S. is very good at, to be able to you know, leverage the talent base that we can get here in the Silicon Valley to uh, continue to do advanced research. And our flow is basically do advanced technology development here, and then we transfer the process in bundles to the operations facility, and our first phase operation facility is in China. Uh, as I mentioned. And so we will continue to innovate here and stay, let's say, one or two generations ahead of what we put into volume production. But this allows us to obviously continue to advance at a rapid pace and then also, of course, allows us to continue to maintain an operational strategy that uh, potentially can change if the global footprint changes in terms of the regions that see widespread adoption of solar. Uh, and it obviously allows us to continue, of course, to maintain a good uh, firewall, let's say, around our core technology to make sure that we maintain that advantage that we've developed over the past several years. For those of our listeners who haven't heard of your company before, why did the company's founders keep the company under the radar for so long? There has been in solar, I'll say, especially over the last several years, a lot of new technology entrants that have come to market and basically pumped their chest and talked about the great technology that they were developing and so forth. However, many of those companies have not really been able to deliver on the promises. So Zheng Xu, our founder, he really wanted to make sure that the performance claims that we can make with this new technology can be backed up by real shipments and real validation of the product. So we chose to unstealth last October. This was a time when our pilot manufacturing facility in Fremont was fully ramped. So we have the ability to ship product, uh, qualification product, to all of the customer engagements that we had. And then, of course, we had the financing and, and the wherewithal to basically execute on the transition to high-volume manufacturing, uh, which we've done this summer, to be able to deliver on those early engagements that we've had. So it's really a situation where why go out and pump your chest when you couldn't necessarily deliver what you were saying? And so we wanted to be conservative so that we can enter the marketplace in a credible fashion. Did you launch at uh, Solar Power International last year? We actually did our first press release and basically came out of stealth mode formally the week before SPI last year. We did not participate in a booth uh, at that show, but we will be participating uh, this year. What has You were talking about the fact that you launched at SPI last year with a press release and that you had interest in it. How much interest have you had? How many companies are interested in installing your technology? So we've had a very widespread interest from all of the different segments in several different regions of the world. So currently I have about 265 megawatts of 
engagements in place with several different customers. I'd say the list is about 15 to 20. Uh, some of those engagements are obviously letter of intent MOU stage, but about 60 megawatts of those are actually definitive agreements that we're now executing on in terms of shipments and deliveries. So uh, very good base. We are focused on the European market. Uh, obviously, it's still the majority of the installations are happening there. So we have customers that are in the UK, in France, Belgium, Germany, and Italy, as well as in the Middle East, North Africa region, which is a specific uh, area of interest to us because of our technology, and I'll elaborate that on this in a second. But we're also engaged with several players here in the United States and a few uh, partners that we've identified in, in China. In terms of our product, I think there's really kind of three aspects. I, I mentioned a little bit about the device, but I didn't necessarily hit on the ultimate value proposition to the customer. So we offer a very high conversion efficiency. This means that the power output from the panel is virtually at the top of the field. And this, of course, allows us to really serve the residential and light scale as well as the utility scale segments where there's a space constraint, where you have a rooftop or you have a piece of land of a finite size and you want to be able to cram as much solar generation as you can in that one piece of area. The second attribute of our technology is that we have very low temperature coefficients. This is done because of our high voltage films in the thin film area as well as our oxide from semiconductor. This allows our technology to basically have a much lower decay rate as the temperatures of the ambient air as well as the panels increase. So traditionally, a typical 200 watt crystalline silicon panel will actually only output uh, approximately 160 watts during the peak hours of the day when the temperatures are, let's say, above 35 degrees Celsius or so. Our technology basically decays at half of that rate. So what that means is that we will get more kilowatt hour per kilowatt peak or more energy harvest out of a given installation over time. And so the Middle East, North Africa region, and especially there's been some announcements about Saudi Arabia, uh, interested in putting 40 gigawatts of PV in place. You know, there's a region where you see, of course, very elevated temperatures, and so our technology plays directly into the benefits uh, of that type of region. And the third aspect of our TriX technology, TriX stands for excellence in three areas, efficiency, energy harvest, I mentioned, but the third one is production costs. So the high-efficiency players today uh, there are primarily two that are producing cells above 20% of commercial production. They have a very complex device, and they have some challenges associated with being able to reduce their manufacturing cost to under a dollar. And so our uh, initial 32-megawatt production facility can actually produce at less than a dollar a watt in terms of cost of goods sold. And so we have a significant advantage in terms of the cost there. And then as we scale in the future years to come, we'll be able to continue to utilize those economies of scale benefit and be able to reduce our costs even further. Well, that was what I was going to ask you about. You talk about lowering the cost of panel manufacturing. How do you do that, and what effect will that have on panel prices and the market in general? So we do that basically by, of course, developing this new tunneling junction concept. So to get above 20% conversion efficiency, uh, we do that in a basically six steps. So our capital costs associated with the equipment that is required to place in a factory to produce a high-efficiency panel 
is much lower than our competitors. Uh, the second aspect of the cost is I mentioned that we actually use copper-based metallization versus silver. The issue with silver, if you follow the spot market over the past five years, is the prices have essentially doubled. And silver, of course, is a precious metal, and there's not necessarily a, a, a rapid ability to be able to increase supply. And so with the emergence of solar and other industrial uses of silver, you can see that the pricing pressure has uh, greatly increased. And so our technology utilizes absolutely zero silver. We replace it with a low-cost copper uh, scheme, and that saves us probably an essence of 10 to 15 cents a watt in terms of production cost with that change alone. You also talk about environmentally sustainable energy generation. How does your product affect that? You know, really, the solar itself obviously speaks for itself in terms of being able to benefit the environment. But uh, in terms of our factory that we've put in place in terms of China, we've used a lot of, of course, Western ideals. Our factory manager is a, a gentleman by the name of Leo Zhang who helped build some of the first semiconductor factories in China uh, with large levels of automation, strong discipline in terms of manufacturing uh, capabilities and so forth. So really our Hangzhou facility we believe is state-of-the-art in terms of its uh, capability to manufacture these panels. So in terms of energy consumption, in terms of byproducts associated with manufacturing and so forth. And so really it's a world-class facility that preaches the green message that we're sending for the overall company and product itself. All right, Chris, I'm a contractor and I want to try and explain to homeowners why people should use the Slava modules instead of someone else's. It sounds complicated from what you've been talking about. How would I go about, as a contractor, selling your modules to a homeowner? So let's assume we've got a given area on a rooftop, and let's say it's a 250-square-foot area. You can use the traditional types of crystalline silicon panels that are out there today. You can put 14 of those panels into that 250 square foot, and you can generate approximately 3.3 kilowatts of energy. Use that same footprint. Because my panels produce more power per given area, I can actually cram 18 panels total, so four additional panels. But the total power output for that rooftop raises 3.3 to approximately 4.2 kilowatts. So I've just essentially added almost one kilowatt of additional energy generation. However, the set of materials, the structure, the uh, cabling, the inverter, the labor that is used to basically install on that same given area is essentially the same. So when you talk about the cost of that installation, all of the costs, the mounting structure, the inverter, the labor, divided by 3.3 versus divided by, in the Salevo case, 4.2, you can see right off the bat that you've been able to uh, have leverage a lower cost installation on a cost per watt basis, and of course you're generating more power. So Chris, when we saw each other at, at InterSolar, uh, we talked about the next round of financing. What is that looking like, and, and when do you expect to close on it? So we are in the process right now of entering into a, a roadshow type phase. We have several traditional institutional type investors that are interested. What they want to see from us is validation of the acceptance of the product. So I think the 265 megawatts 
of engagements clearly testifies that there's interest in the product at the the right economics. And then the second one is is demonstrating the fully ramped facility, this 32 megawatt line that we are in the process of bringing up now in Hangzhou, proving the cost model, proving the output of that factory, proving the yields, really helps understand the risk profile of the company and the technology to scale it to larger amounts of capacity. So the idea is is that this fall we'll close on a new round of financing and that will allow us to raise uh, our capacity to approximately 250 megawatts globally. With this final round of financing and a 250 type megawatt capacity, the company will then be able to be highly profitable on its own. And the plan is for us to use IPO proceeds in 2014 to uh, raise an next round of financing to basically expand the capacity to a gigawatt. So one more round of financing for us. Uh, I will note that I think um, we have a very capital-efficient model. We've raised approximately $55 million to date. This next round will be a little bit over $100 million. Uh, but we do that compared to our peers who have sunk, you know, 300 to 500 to even a billion dollars into the company to validate the product and bring it to profitable state, I think is a, a real testament to our technology, our team, and our approach here in the solar space. So if people want to find out more about the company and its progress, where would they find that information? So they can certainly come to our website, so solevosolar.com. Uh, on there, it's fairly straightforward navigation to learn more about our products, about the history of the company, and then there are links to how they can contact both the sales team, myself, my organization, as well as a link to our general information line to be able to ask questions and so forth. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. We've been talking to Christopher Beidel, Vice President of Business Development and Marketing for Salevo Solar. Salevo uses its Triax technology to increase the potential efficiency of its solar cells to upwards of 24%. This has been Solar Speaks, Solar Power World Magazine's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. I'm Frank Andorka, Editorial Director of Solar Power World Magazine. Until next time.